Okay, um, very warm welcome today to Yero Magdalena. Um, Yero, could you please introduce yourself to us all? Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me. Um, so my name is Yaro. I'm a web designer, a tech fairy, and a small business mentor. And I also run another business called Daydream Rules, which is more about ritual and self-care. Because one business just isn't enough, is Oh, it? no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, so apart from the fact that it's always lovely to talk to Yaro, the reason I wanted to talk to Yaro today was... Um, because of the wide range of publishing options you have considered and explored over the years, Yarrow, I wondered if you could kind of talk us through some of the things you've done or considered doing because they're all the kinds of things that, you know, my clients are often considering or going to go down one or other of those roads. So mm -hmm. I know that you have thought about traditional publishing, mm -hmm. you're very into zines, you're interested mm -hmm. in self-publishing and so on. So just mm -hmm. if you could take us a little way through that journey. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, so I started blogging as a teenager, which I consider my first experience in self-publishing. And I'm really glad I did this under a different name and that most people probably won't be able to find that kind of work anywhere now. So that's great. But I do think that in a way it kind of built this muscle of sharing your work, even if you feel not 100% sure about it. And just sitting with the awkwardness of that um, and having now all this experience, like more than 15 years of you know, publishing awkward things on the internet <laughs> feels pretty good. But having said that, I don't think that anyone needs to practice for 15 years until they feel ready. I think we're already in our own ways right now. So anyway, I then started uh, studying creative writing and did an MA in creative media. And part of my dissertation was about community media for social change and specifically self-publishing practices that I was interested in. Um, that was the time when I wrote that, that was also, lots of us were thinking and talking about the selfie. Um, so I was thinking a lot about um, representation and how we experience ourselves and our identities, particularly marginalized ones. And so that's how I first really got interested in that kind of thing. And as part of my business, which I've been running for five years now, I think my main practice of publishing at the moment is my podcast. Um, I have one called Daydream Rules, which is um, about ritual and community and healing and creative expression. And then I have the DIY Small Business Podcast. And I really wholeheartedly say that this has been the most joyful part of building my business, I think, and the one that has in many different ways given me the most reward, not just in building an audience or getting clients or money, but also just in feeling this direct feedback and being in dialogue and really feeling a sense of purpose and being able to be supportive to people whether or not they can pay me. So that feels really good. And then um, privately, I had started writing scenes about 10 years ago. Uh, again, the first ones were super awkward. In my mid and early 20s, I also published poetry that I don't want to read anymore now. <laughs> but again, it's building that muscle. So that was good practice in a way. And last year, last summer in August, I left social media and used a kind of half year break to return to the zine writing practice. I, I won't say for my business, but I do really see that um, publishing those zines has... Um, helped definitely get the word out for my business in lots of different ways. And so some of my zines are workbooks, some of them are reflections. 
um, on things like moving to Scotland and being in the countryside here or reflections on grief and loss in winter. And um, I offer them through my Patreon. So um, that is kind of currently the way I choose to fund the time I spend on them as well, which I think is, is a key thing that many people are thinking about. Um, like you said, I'm also interested in conventional publishing. I'm currently um, writing a book that's, um, I'm not sure yet if it's a memoir or <laughs> autobiographical fiction. And I also am not totally sure what exactly that line is. Um, but I'm curious and excited and taking classes and I'm open to that being conventionally published, but at the same time, I'm not yet 100% sure that that would be my best option. So I'm kind of exploring, testing the waters. And while I do that, really appreciate currently the practice of self-publishing as a way to build community and get clearer on what I have to say and to share that with others. Yeah. So I've got a couple of things I'd like you to expand a little on. I think some mm -hmm. of the people listening won't be familiar with zines. Oh, um, yes. So mm -hmm. could you, uh, define them in your own terms. Yeah, of course. It's interesting. Like I really thought that they primarily came out of um, punk and DIY culture in the 70s and 80s, but I have learned since preparing a class on zines that they have in a way existed really ever since the printing press ex mm -hmm. has existed, which I believe was invented in 1440. <laughs> and so, you know, and, and it's debatable what is a zine and what counts and you know when has the first counting happened but I think that in a way zines are self-published small circulation booklets and small circulation is usually considered less than a thousand copies and self-published uh, in, in that sense really means that usually people don't work with professionals and air quotes to um, complete these themes. They're usually written by people who share experiences or how-to guides or reflections. There's usually no professional, again, an air quotes, editing process. And uh, yeah, and they're often distributed by the person that has written the zine themselves. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you. Um, I think of them as kind of the more modern version of chat books and things like that yeah. from, mm -hmm. um, from history. But, um, and the other thing I wondered if we could just unpick a little bit more is when it comes to something like your memoir stroke autobiographical <laughs> fiction, um, when you're considering whether you want to go down the um, conventional publishing route or the self-publishing route, what, what are the kinds of issues that you're thinking about there? Mm. Yeah, good question. So I think like many people, I have this romantic desire and idea that I would like my writing to be in a conventional bookshop. I really love supporting small independent bookshops myself. And I, I love reconnecting with the physical world, which <laughs> saying it out loud now sounds really ridiculous, you know, but especially now that we are currently socially isolating, I think the digital part of my life is growing and I really appreciate sitting down with paper books and I acknowledge that the distribution and marketing is possibly easier within a structure like a conventional publisher and I would also really love to receive support around editing and strategy and getting the word out I'm also, while I am a web designer, finding it really hard to design covers. Um, for mm. some reason, that's a real block for me. And it would be wonderful to work with someone who's just focusing on book covers because I think they really matter. They matter to me. Um, so that would be cool. And what, what I 
what I'm not particularly keen on is waiting for a really long time because seeing how, you know, how, how much courage and resilience and continuity is required to bring something com to completion while you're doing all kinds of other things. It would be wonderful to have a fairly instant reward after completion and really seeing what I've made in people's hands within months rather than a year or two. Yeah. And, um, and the other part is that I do actually really enjoy community building and doing my own kind of weird marketing. And I don't know necessarily how I would fit into a conventional marketing campaign and so there's part of me that's also actually quite keen on the challenge of seeing how that could be done and how I can utilize the audience I have already grown in my podcast and uh, yeah to to try something myself and then finally I think I also want to question what I would consider a success for my book whether that would be a certain number of sales or a certain kind of feedback that maybe comes out of the intimacy of self-publishing where I would maybe have reading evenings if that ever is a thing again that we can hang out in real life together um, or do a book tour on people's podcasts with lots of conversations so there are all kinds of things that I can imagine in self-publishing that could be really rewarding as well and I think at the end of the day for me publishing that book would be about connecting with people who have similar experiences and sharing things that have worked for me and I think as I'm beginning to think about navigating that decision that's the point that I want to return to I don't expect my book to be the thing that makes me rich mm -hmm. and that's okay <laughs> I no, have I think, other plans for that <laughs> yeah <laughs> um I think that um this is a huge thing I, I talk to my clients about whether to conventionally publish or, or mm -hmm. self-publish and there's just so many aspects to it because um my clients being like you people who run their own businesses they're all people who are used to having a lot of control and mm -hmm. often that's why they've started their own business, or at least it's one of the roots of starting their own business. And so you give up so much control when you traditionally publish. Um, mm -hmm. So you may have to publish under a different title from the one you would have chosen. You may not get even a right of veto over the cover, let alone your first choice of cover. Mm -hmm. um, you might have to take out the bit of the book that is most meaningful to you because mm -hmm. it's not what they want and, and so mm -hmm. on and so there's a huge huge amount of kind of creative control but even financially even if the traditional publisher sells more copies than you can mm -hmm. sell yourself which isn't necessarily guaranteed mm -hmm. in the first place but even if they do you're getting seven and a half percent of that whereas if um if you're self-publishing whatever you make you make mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and, and you keep um and I think the more services there are out there like mine where people are able to, you know, I have connections with professional cover designers, for instance, mm -hmm. and, and so on. And so somebody where the one thing that they really want is mm -hmm. to have a professional cover designer design the cover and then everything mm -hmm. else they've got mm -hmm. another solution for, you know, that's, that's a solvable problem. That, that mm -hmm. isn't something that has to be solved by getting mm -hmm. a traditional publisher so i think that i definitely think there are some books for for which a traditional publisher is the right route and some people mm -hmm. for whom it's the right route for sure um mm -hmm. but um but it's amazing to me how much people have to give up 
mm-hmm. to go down that route and how slow it is. You know, mm-hmm. when you finish your book, <laughs> then the next round of things, if you're going down the traditional route, would be sending out um, the um, submission package to literary agents and publishers. Mm-hmm. And that could take months. And if it's a literary agent who, who you secure, then it could take them months to secure the right mm-hmm. publisher. And then that publisher would have to put you into a production schedule and that would take maybe around a year. Um, Mm -hmm. So you could be talking easily two years and maybe Mm -hmm. three or even four Mm -hmm. years, just Mm -hmm. depending on how many likes there are in the Mm -hmm. process and and what kind of production schedule the eventual publisher has. So Mm -hmm. it it is, it's most people have no idea how much time it takes. (laughs) (laughs) um, So yeah, I think um, it's a, it's a big decision to make because mm-hmm. there are, you know, there is something lovely about feeling like you have mm-hmm. been chosen. Um, yes. which, um, I'm myself though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's, that's the, the way of flipping that, I think. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And I think it's a different kind of decision for people who do run their own business because mm-hmm. we're all already used to um, mm-hmm. marketing what we do. We all mm-hmm. have some kind of audience, however small. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we all understand the concept of, community mm-hmm. building and audience building and, and so mm-hmm. on so um, yeah. whereas if if you're a nurse and you've written a novel mm-hmm. that you might self-publish that's a whole different mm-hmm. kind of uh, argument as yeah. to whether that makes sense to do one yeah totally um, I was very struck when you were talking earlier about all the blogging and and so mm-hmm. on that you've done and the kind of working of the muscle of mm-hmm. writing and publishing um, because some of the people I've been talking to recently um, about writing a book for them, it's this really, and this word keeps coming up, precious, precious mm-hmm. dream of, mm-hmm. of, of writing a book. And it's mm-hmm. generally a childhood dream. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's kind of on a pedestal for them. Mm-hmm. And it seems like this unattainable, beautiful, perfect goal. Mm-hmm. And I think what's really interesting about looking at blogging and podcasting and so on as part of a writing and publishing uh, practice Mm-hmm. is that it helps to break it down into manageable things mm-hmm. um, rather than having, I'm not a writer, and the only way I could be mm-hmm. a writer is to go from not being a writer mm-hmm. to <laughs> writing a book. You know, <laughs> yes. um, mm-hmm. I, I think that whole process of writing in it, and as you were saying, kind of just having to become okay with mm-hmm. the fact that something which is not perfect mm-hmm. is out there in the world and other people are going to look at it, <laughs> um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> which is a big thing to get your head around um that you know that's true even if you do get chosen Mm -hmm. by a traditional publisher Mm -hmm. and formally edited and all of those kinds of things you're Mm -hmm. still going to have to release something which probably won't feel perfect to you Mm -hmm. out Mm -hmm. into the outer world so um i thought Mm -hmm. that was really interesting way to think about it as a kind Mm -hmm. of a process of Mm -hmm. getting more used to letting go (laughs) Uh-huh. Yes, totally. And I think um, I think interviewing people is a beautiful practice, and I would recommend anyone thinking about um, writing anything right now to begin publishing small pieces of your work in a way that kind of stretches your comfort zone a little bit. Most people will maybe write longer captions on Instagram sometimes and feel that that's the edge and I would recommend to maybe go live on Instagram TV or just have a really small capsule podcast of maybe seven episodes where you share something about your practice that you really love and then you let it go because I really really think we have that and we have to do that you're totally Mm -hmm. right um 
seeing a book as something on a pedestal that's really precious is really hindering the completion and the creative freedom and and the authenticity in, in what we're expressing i think so i'm already thinking about the book that comes after that and i'm completely at peace with the fact that there will be a limit to how much time i can spend on this book and it won't, won't be perfect and i'm not a first you know, English is not my first language. Most of my zines have typos. I know that, but they're out there and that's what matters to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I think if there's one thing people take away from this conversation, though, I would really love it if, if some <laughs> of that spirit <laughs> can be <laughs> passed on. Um, now, have you got anything coming up that you would like people listening to this to know about any workshops coming up? Or can they access the zines workshop that I think you've already done mm -hmm. or that kind of thing? <clears throat> yeah, definitely. So um, all my patrons um, at any level for any pledge receive access to my digital zines. There's a really sweet collection now. And I also am currently running a class called Mama Writing and Zine Making. The second class is on, 20, on the 29th of March. And the recordings will be available to podcast, to patrons as well. And then I have a group experience called the Embodied Magic Community, which is a year-long um, container in which we regularly have workshops and talk about self-publishing and the creative process. And yeah, it's a really nice group of people that is already there. It costs $300 for a year, which includes one session with me and then um, monthly group coaching and live workshops. Perfect. And is that open to people at the moment to join? It is, it is going to be open from the 24th of March till the 8th of April. Yes. Good timing for this interview going out in that case. <laughs> I know, <Perfect>. right? <laughs> okay. Um, well, you. in that case, um, I will obviously be linking to your um, website and your Patreon and um, probably Instagram as well. Um, and so um, I take it those are the best ways for people to get hold of you and mm -hmm. get to see what you're up to mm -hmm. yes thank you so much it was okay. great to talk thank you <laughs>